Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You got to have a yin and a yang on this show. You guys are the experts. You guys win a ton of money. And I look like a fool uh, and a you-know-what here on the air weekly. And I'm okay with it because I think I do represent uh, a lot of people out there who are trying to figure out what direction uh, they are going to go on this game. It is a a divisional game. Uh, You've got the Washington football team, a a three-and-a-half-point favorite on pregame.com as they play host to the Giants. So these division games are pretty important early in the season it could impact things down the stretch but I I just I don't know that we're going to see these two teams at the top of this whole thing when it's all said and done well let's get the let's get the the Joe's reaction then Jonas what what's when you see that line three and a half based on what all the preseason narrative was on the Giants and the football team what's your initial response to that number I mean this is a backup quarterback and the Giants are a three and a half point underdog like that, like that, that to me is pretty alarming when you see that, you know, a Taylor Heineke is the backup quarterback there in Washington. And look, he looked good in the playoffs last year against Tampa, I thought. I thought he looked pretty good last week, but he's still a backup quarterback. And when you're the Giants and you feel like Daniel Jones might be your franchise guy and he's a first-round draft pick and you feel like you're trying to piece together an organization and you really like your head coach and you feel like you're going in the right direction, the fact that it's already week two, you find yourself, you know, on the opposite side side of a three and a half point spread on the road I don't know if this is just a short week and what and what we've seen historically with it when it comes to road teams on short weeks but to me I think that's a pretty damning statement from you know the betting lines and the people making those lines in Vegas about where the Giants are at so I guess the question then is when you think about the football team you, you mentioned them in the playoffs Heineke in the playoffs meaning they won the division because no only one team from the NFC East made the playoffs last year and their quarterback situation all season long was a disaster. Alex Smith, great comeback story, was horrible on the field, yeah. just horrible. Yeah. Kyle Allen w- was a disaster. He's he's the third string here. Well, I guess he's the backup now with, with Fitzpatrick out. So the question becomes, is is their quarterback play with Taylor Heineke? I know I know Fitzpatrick was expected to be an upgrade. But is their quarterback play with Heineke going to make them anything less than the best team in the NFC East this year? I mean, that's look, and I know we're going to do a deep dive into what some other problems in the NFC East are at right now. Here's here's the part that I find a little bizarre. They clearly like like where would it just off the top of your head, not not to to pigeonhole you into have you know answering this specifically where they are when it comes to quarterback situations in the NFL, meaning a guy you got that you believe in, a guy you feel good about moving forward. Where do you put Washington when it comes to just the quarterback position in the the NFL do you put them in the bottom 10 because I would put them in the bottom 10 they're certainly in the bottom 10 because they've got well and especially now with the injury but let's just say if Ryan Fitzpatrick were healthy they're still in the bottom 10 because Ryan Fitzpatrick is fine he's a stopgap guy no one looks at Ryan Fitzpatrick as the future quarterback of of a team the, the other thing is they don't have a young guy that they think is going to eventually take over from him so they don't have a potential long-term answer at quarterback on the roster and maybe even worse than those two things is they're going they've proven that they're competitive enough yes without a a (laughs) great quarterback that they're not going to be in a position to draft one either so they're in a really weird spot
spot. Now there, there's always the possibility of, of trades, and maybe someone doesn't. I mean, maybe Deshaun Watson, if he gets cleared, he becomes available for something. Or there's a team who's got a young quarterback that they want to give up on and move on to something else. But it, those guys, you can't feel. I mean, other than Deshaun, but if you're talking about a guy another team's giving up on. You can't feel like that's just the answer. The uh, for sure, oh, we can fix him. I, I, so yeah, I think Washington is one of maybe maybe even one of the bottom five. I yeah. mean, which what quarterback situations? You know, if you said, hey, for the next three years, who's got a worse quarterback situation than them? I, I would argue. I mean, maybe Carolina because they actually believe in Sam Darnold. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> and, 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 but. I, I I don't know who's who's worse off, and, and that's what's strange about the whole thing is you came into this year, you know, you got a defense like like we can all agree that that front seven is a nightmare. I actually think that front seven is is the reason Carson Wentz melted down last year. The second half of that opener last year, what they did to him, I don't think he ever recovered from. And so when you see that front seven and that defense, and you know you got a guy in Ron Rivera that you buy into. And the plan during the offseason at quarterback was Ryan Fitzpatrick. It just doesn't make sense. It, like, it felt like there was an opportunity for them to really take hold of the division. And instead, they went the cheap route. And, and I don't know just you know, in thinking back to what, what their plan was or who they were trying to obtain or whether or not they were trying to make a move in the draft to move up. I think they were connected or tied to at least Mac Jones. I, I think I remember hearing something along those lines. But it just feels like they find themselves in a spot where they have no quarterback of the future really or at least that's the perception unless Taylor Heineke shocks a lot of people and they sort of went the Fitzpatrick route and how long into that game did it take before we realize oh he's he's a veteran quarterback you know now he's dealing with an injury and now we're sort of you know up S Creek with a toilet paper paddle trying to figure out what we're going to do at the position I just I think the the offseason and their approach to that position was bizarre to say the least I don't understand it I would agree. And you know what? I forgot about another team. I think the, the Houston Texans are in that oh, same good. conversation. <laughs> that is good. I mean, yes. they, they have a franchise guy on their team. It doesn't look like he's going to be playing for them no. again anytime soon. But, you know, it's funny. You mentioned the defense and, and how great that defense is. Of all the quarterbacks last week who actually played a full game, so I'm not talking about Trey Lance who got in for, you know, for a drop back or, or Jordan Love or, or even Justin Fields. Of all the guys that played a full game last week, the least pressured quarterback in the NFL was Justin Herbert, who was playing behind a totally revamped offensive line against that front four of Washington that, I mean, is basically all, every one of those guys is a pro bowler. Some of them are all pros. And so I worry that, man, if the football team's defense isn't just a monster, and it was last year, and there's reason to expect maybe they regress a little bit because of the the schedule that they're going to play this year. The offensive lines they played last year, they had some luck. But if if you're going to not pressure the quarterback, and you're not, and that's the best thing that you did a year ago, and you've got this quarterback situation, Washington, who you know was a they were a, a real darling to win this. If if you didn't like the Cowboys, you pretty much liked the football team to win the division, and now. One Fitzpatrick injury later, and we're like, ooh, do we do we want any part of this? And it was, I think, uh, on straight out of Vegas last year, Mackenzie, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, uh, Washington football team was the pick. I think RJ gave that out as a division winner earlier in the you know, season, if I'm not that, mistaken. That's, that's correct. He got there early. It was plus three fifty. All off season, we saw nothing but Washington money. Closed at plus two hundred, 
Even with their loss, they're still plus 275. We still got value. And I can tell you what we did on the podcast last night, the uh, the Dream Preview podcast, was RJ constructed, basically he said, how much money am I going to have to put on Dallas and Philly <laughs> to get out of this Washington <laughs> ticket? It. And, and it's, good, it, it, it's good for him that he got such a good number with Washington, so that way he's, and, and I think with the amount he's got invested, he's still hoping for Washington to win. But he certainly he'd be fine with a break even at this point. He he wants to get out of that thing, and I can't say that I blame him because through one week, there's not much to. And listen, the the football team was my best bet in week one. I thought the football team was was going to handle the Chargers because I thought, oh, that front four against a young offensive line, yeah. a quarterback, you know, in in Justin Herbert who's learning a new system in just his second year. This is they're licking their chops, and they did nothing. Yeah. And, and really, the Chargers controlled that game. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Let's get into this NFC East, Jonas. Yes, and the Demarcus Lawrence injury is where we want to start. Uh, He suffered the injury in practice, uh, the broken foot. Uh, The report is he's going to be out six to eight weeks. So the pass rusher, and might add, the highly paid pass rusher for the Dallas Cowboys is going to be gone for quite a while for Dallas. Um, There's been a lot of talk about their defense, where their defense has been at the past couple of years. They felt like they were making some strides. They were getting after it a little bit on, uh, on the season opener last Thursday against Tampa Bay, but nonetheless, not a good not a good thing for the Dallas Cowboys as they head uh, into this weekend's matchup with the Chargers. Well, let's talk about Demarcus Lawrence. Last year, a year that I think most people would say defensively was not great for the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. Can we can we, can we yes. agree on that point? I think you had so, players that were saying they were confused by the scheme uh, <laughs> publicly, which is not good. No, it's that's always embarrassing when and like, not the opposing players, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> no. want to confuse the the opponents, not your own guys, especially like you know, once you're a few weeks into the season, if you're still confused by the schemes, Boy, that's yeah. that's a real indictment there, isn't it? Like, if I went to Scott Shapiro after the show and said, you know, I'm a little confused as to how to do radio, he'd probably be like, all right, cool. Why don't you go back to Chuck E. Cheese then? Uh, figure out how to bust tables there, and, and we'll, we'll work on uh, getting somebody else in here. Well, on that awful defense last year, Demarcus Lawrence was an 88.7 on PFF, which is the seventh highest graded edge rusher all of last season. So as bad as they were, this guy was the real deal. And week one, boy, it was more of the same. 91.4 grade in week one. Was that the highest on Dallas, uh, McKenzie? It was. Highest graded player on Dallas. Highest graded player for the Cowboys in a game where they were almost able to knock off the defending Super Bowl champs at home. So now he's out for six to eight weeks. And, boy, suddenly it feels like we've got questions about Dak's health. And he looked good week one. I don't think they had. I don't think they pictured him throwing the football 80 times in Week One, but he did it. Uh, so if if let's say let's just pretend Dak is gonna stay healthy for the rest of the year, if you start going down the list of guys who you can't afford to lose, I don't know if you get much beyond Dak Prescott before you get to Demarcus Lawrence. 
Yeah, it's uh, and and he's definitely an impact player. I I would say, I would say this. You know, he doesn't get a lot of discussion. I mean, when it comes to the sack totals and, and PFF, you know, brings in a lot of other aspects to the game. Um, but when it comes to the sack totals, since he signed that contract, he has not been anywhere close to what they thought. I think when they gave him that massive contract, which kind of gets under discussed because people look at Zeke Elliott. But nonetheless, you're clearly a, a defense that can't afford to lose anybody. Like like you, you especially with the injury you've suffered the past couple of years you're hoping for a year in which health is at least somewhat on your side and AJ when you're a week into the season and you lose a guy like that who does impact that defense in other ways not just the sack numbers and now you're going to be out for two months and that look that two months is best case scenario we don't know how he's going to come back from from dealing with a foot injury you push off in the wrong direction how many players have we seen not only in in the nfl but the nba they just push off in the wrong direction next thing you know they got problems this just feels like as you know it, it goes back to what we talked about with them being on hard knocks there's a reason why no team on hard knocks has ever gotten past what the conference championship game like That's we can right. say we can say oh it's just coincidental it doesn't mean anything okay well, well maybe it does mean something because here we are we're a weekend they're 0 and 1 they lost a game they should have won they've got kicker issues and now they've got a major injury on defense not a good thing for Dallas maybe we can do this study mckenzie look in the database at how teams perform off hard knocks when their season of hard knocks was terrible That's versus true. if the yes. season was actually entertaining. That's a good point. Because yes. that was such a horrible season. Maybe they're, maybe they're getting so much grief on social media that all the guys are bummed. I don't know. But that was a terrible... <laughs> like That's like the, the most can't-miss show. How do you mess up a season of hard knocks yet somehow... like I, I got zero entertainment out of that entire season it, of hard knocks. By the, way, was, Adam, by the way, Adam Schefter reported there's going to be a major announcement yes. regarding hard knocks at halftime. Maybe it's they're gonna they're gonna try to be more interesting next time. Well, what's your guess on that, Jonas? What do you think well, it is? Well, I, I think um, they're going to now allow because one of the stipulations is what, what is it? You can't be a member of you can't be a cast on hard knocks if you have a rookie head coach or if you miss the playoffs the previous season or there, there's something along those lines. There's like a stipulation. If you make the playoffs, you can't be on. It. Okay, yeah. So if you make the playoffs. I mean, tell me you wouldn't want to have seen Urban Meyer rather than the Dallas Cowboys and and uh, Mike McCarthy this hard knock season. Like, to I me- mean, that would have been a much more interesting uh, show. But I'll say this: you know what I think it is? I think the major announcement is they're going to do an in season hard knocks. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's oh boy. It's, I'd be it's, interested in that. Uh, look, if if coaches don't like their team being filmed the way that they're filmed during hard knocks in training camp, I can't imagine there's a lot of coaches that are going to sign up for the in season stuff when frustrations are at an all time high. And here's the other part: this is what makes it that much more egregious how awful the season was. This is Dallas's third try at this. Like this is their third. Like you, you've had you've had two practice runs and you still can't get it right. I stopped watching. I just didn't. It, it did nothing for me. And I love uh, football documentaries, hard knocks, a football life. Uh, grew up on NFL films, all that stuff. I love everything about those sort of documentaries and in depth looks. And I just stopped watching. It, it, I just had little to no interest for me. The most memorable thing about this season of Hard Knocks was Jerry Jones putting salt on his McGriddle. Yes. That was weird. That was the moment of the uh, of the season. Okay, well, let's talk about how the lines have moved based on this injury. Just a slight tick down uh, for the Cowboys. They were they're plus one forty five now. They were uh, plus one forty before this injury news. But let's talk about how the how they've moved since 
before week one started. You know, the, the, the Cowboys were plus 150 week one. They take a loss. Now they're plus 144. The football team was plus 200. Now they're plus 275 after their loss. Here's the big mover, though. The Eagles, who were plus 555 pre-week one, they're now plus 280. So a lot of people, and the Eagles blew out what we think is a pretty bad Atlanta team, yeah. but that got a lot of people's attention. Yeah, and and I think Jalen Hurts looked a lot better than a lot of people expected because there's there was sort of this feeling going into the season that yeah, I guess we'll go with Jalen Hurts. I mean, I, I guess we'll you know we'll, we'll opt to go with Jalen Hurts, but I think a lot of people anticipated that, well, you know, they're going to give him, it's going to be a short leash, and then they're going to move on from him, uh, and they're going to go in a different direction, which is why they've been rumored to be in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes, because a lot of people felt like, yeah, they're not totally committed to Jalen Hurts. He's, it doesn't mean that he's their guy. And then on top of that, they go out and they trade for Gardner Minshew. I mean, I, I got to be honest with you, outside of Dak Prescott, Jalen Hurts was the best quarterback in the division in week one. I, I thought he looked good. I, I thought the offense looked pretty good. I'm not saying Atlanta's a world beater because uh, they're clearly have got their own uh, issues going on. But if, but if you're Jalen Hurts and, and you can just do that and, and, and try and, and not turn the football over and, and, and make enough plays, maybe they'll, they'll be in the mix here and they'll be in the swing of things. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byard. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup. Sit, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts be sure to catch live editions of straight out of vegas weekdays at 6 p.m eastern 3 p.m pacific here's some numbers from the kansas city game at baltimore last year the chiefs won this game 34 to 20 and i want you to think about this patrick mahomes was 31 of 42 in that game 385 yards passing and four touchdowns 26 rushing yards and a touchdown his QBR was 98, and he had a 133.5 passer rating. Jesus. And now I want you to consider that Jimmy Smith was healthy in that game. Marlon Humphrey was healthy in that game. Marcus Peters was healthy in that game. They had their full load of cornerbacks in that game, and Mahomes still just destroyed them. Now, Jimmy Smith questionable, Marcus Peters out. Marcus Peters backup, Chris Chris Westry out. I don't know what the Ravens are going to do in the secondary, but if I'm Patrick Mahomes and I'm coming off a close call against the Browns, I am licking my chops against a defense that I know I had my way with a year ago. And and also let's be honest, the the Ravens are going to go where Lamar takes them. I mean that that's just that's where we're at with this team, especially with all the injuries that have occurred. And what we saw on Monday night was that offensive line is not the offensive line of years past that a lot of people can can look at and go, oh well, that, that he's going to be fine. At least they'll keep him protected. And then on top of that, Ronnie Stanley uh, is also going to be out for this game. So not only do you have to worry about what Patrick Mahomes is going to do to that secondary and to that defense, now all of a sudden you got to worry about whether or not. 
not uh, you're going to be able to keep Lamar Jackson upright or if he's going to have enough time to make plays, this feels like this is a really, really bad spot for Baltimore on Sunday. Well, it's funny you mention the offense because guess what? They've got some, they've got some issues from last year, too. Lamar Jackson only threw for 97 yards and a touchdown last year. 15 of 28, 97 yards. He had a 25.6 QBR. He did rush for 83 yards. Here's the deal, though. They had 228 yards of total offense in that game against the Chiefs. Now, if you take away Gus Edwards, Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, all guys who won't be suited up on Sunday night, those guys accounted for 116 of the 228 Jeez. total yards. Jeez. It's basically Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, and now they're missing tackles. It's a a total mess right now in Baltimore, who I think has to be one of the most downgraded teams. Obviously, you know, three and a half is is not a number where it's you feel like it's a slam dunk. The Chiefs have been the Chiefs are two and ten in their last twelve against the spread. In those same twelve, they're ten and two straight up. So the the Chiefs have not been exceeding the expectations of the market. But I can't find a way to look at Baltimore in this game, given everything that's going on with the Ravens. Well, and also just look at their divisions. As we talked about the NFC East earlier, if you look at the AFC North, I would argue every team after one week has been upgraded other than Baltimore. Like, like I think I think Joe Burrow looked much better than what I expected coming off the knee injury after getting barely any reps in the preseason and having some concerns. I thought Cincinnati looked better than expected. Pittsburgh won on the road. And Cleveland, I mean, they were in control for a lot out of that game like that didn't feel like oh you know last year in the playoffs was you know a fluke and what they were able to do and stay competitive they, they matched up pretty well against Kansas City I'd argue Baltimore's the one team in that division I'm, I'm more down on than I was based on one week I'm with you except I I have Pittsburgh neutral uh from a week I know they they got a win as an underdog and th- that's nice Pittsburgh's offense has some real issues Ben had the least time to throw the least time to throw and was throwing the most into covered receivers. And so it's, there's a, a, a rating called aggressiveness, which means how much are you trying to fit things into narrow windows? Been led in that. On the, on the other side of that, like the second most, uh, you know, the second shortest time to throw was Baker Mayfield, but he was throwing into the most open windows. So he's getting rid of the ball quick, but to open guys. I, I've got real concerns about Pittsburgh offense going forward. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's good to uh, get that stuff in with RJ not here. I, I do think that's. Important. I know. I don't want to get know, my mic gotta, shut off. Yeah, you can't you know, have that. <laughs> you got to get the, get your licks in while you can. I would also say the same thing about Ohio State as well, too. If you've got anything to say about Ohio State after last week, I would get it in now uh, Listen, while RJ's not here. Do you think anything needs to be said about Ohio State <laughs> after last week? I, I think what whatever would have been said has now been said. Their, their play said it all, I'm afraid. That, that, that's a good point. Yeah, that is a very fair point. And by the way, in this Ravens game, something to consider, this is the first time in Lamar Jackson's career that he's going to be a home underdog. That's first crazy. time in his career. That is and this crazy. is the first time he's more than a three-point underdog since September of 2019 when they went to the Chiefs. So it's a rare spot for Lamar Jackson to be an underdog, 